Welcome to Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch and grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Justin Gordon, and in this episode, we have Wietse Vanderwerf, who is the CEO of Sea Ranger Service. And Sea Ranger Service is a social enterprise that employs Navy veterans to train unemployed youth as Sea Rangers in order to manage the world's growing number of marine protected areas. And I met Wietse at Summit actually, uh, as of, of this recording a few weeks, a couple weeks ago, and immediately was compelled to have him on the podcast because of his story and the incredible things he's doing to solve multiple problems at once through his enterprise, which I find absolutely incredible. And I'm very interested to see where this goes in the very near future. It's a great story. Incredible, incredible, incredible things that he's doing to make a difference and make an impact. And I cannot wait for you to listen to this episode. Fun fact about this episode, it was recorded in a room, and that's room.com, which are these soundproof office phone booths. So as you might imagine, it made for quite the interviewing experience, but I had a great time. I hope Wita did as well. As always, the show notes are at justgogrind.com slash podcast, and you can support the show. Leave a rating and review over in Apple Podcasts. I would very much so appreciate that. Without further ado, Here's Wietse Vanderwerf, the CEO of Sea Ranger Service. Wietse, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. This is the most unique interview I will have ever done. We're <laughs> at Summit currently, and we met at Summit, and there's, your story is fascinating, and your company as well. So tell us a little, about, a little bit about your company first to start with, how to get started. Um, it started from the idea that the ocean currently uh, is protected in many ways. So there are around 12,000 so-called marine protected areas to better manage fisheries and to look after biodiversity and such. But only 9% of these areas have a management plan or some form of management, and even fewer have you know, dedicated ships and people to manage um, these ocean areas. Um, and that's a problem we've, uh, we've worked to tackle. Awesome. And with that too, I mean, how did that come about in terms of the idea to even start this in the first place? Where did that come from? Yeah, so the, actually the, um, the inspiration came from 1933. Uh, President uh, Roosevelt, uh, during the, the height of the Great Depression, uh, as part of the New Deal programs, launched this initiative called the Civilian Conservation Corps. And what essentially happened is that, um, you know, you're looking at a country with high rates of unemployment, but also very much um, both agricultural land, um, certain areas of, of natural beauty really being sort of dilapidated, really needing restoration, essentially. So what he did is that in nine years' time, they mobilized three million unemployed men from the inner cities, and under the guidance of the army, they um, restored landscapes and actually constructed 800 national parks. So this left a huge legacy in the U.S., and it was the first time that these sort of men that grew up in the inner cities, these young men, would suddenly be exposed to nature and, and you know, be in, and meet other people from other parts of the U.S. Um, so it left a big legacy, and, and it was a way to tackle unemployment as well as restore nature, essentially. Um, and if you look globally, almost every country bordering the sea, the highest rates of youth unemployment are in the port cities. Uh, and especially in these port cities and coastal areas, the youth unemployment is, is staggeringly high. Yeah. And it's a very big problem for governments to deal with. So the inspiration um, for what we do essentially came from, from Roosevelt, who devised this, this program uh, to really try and, I would almost say, make youth unemployment 
uh, and the need to protect the ocean make those two problems act as each other's solution. Yeah, and starting that though, knowing you have this issue you're trying to solve and this multifaceted problem, how did you look at how you were going to integrate everything into one solution and how did you actually launch that initially? Yeah, um, so we actually, so, so we sort of do two things. One, we, mo- we recruit and then train with the help of veterans from the Navy and former Marines. We train unemployed youth as sea rangers. That's the first thing we do. There's an initial five-week boot camp. There's a lot of structure and discipline involved. Um, and then if you're selected after the five weeks, you are employed by us. But essentially, that being trained as a sea ranger and working with us as a young sea ranger, that's an entry-level education into the maritime, into a maritime career. The second thing we do is that we um, we own a shipbuilding company and we have developed um, sailing ships, like large 75-foot steel-hulled sailing vessels that are built like sturdy workships and are actually fully certified to work commercially in the offshore industry, which means they can do different environmental surveying work, they can do maintenance on seaweed farms or wind farms as on the commercial side. But it also means that it's a cost-effective way to then restore nature at sea. Uh, so your question around well, you know, how do you combine that? How do you get that started? In the beginning, people were like, well, hold on a second. You're looking to tackle unemployment. You want to support veterans. You're creating jobs. You're building ships. You want to protect <laughs> nature. Like, hold on, you know, what's your core focus? Right. And people found it very difficult. But we really persi- we persisted. And really, now people increasingly say, ah, oh, that's actually, yeah, it's quite ingenious because you use the sailing ships, which are about 30% cheaper to operate compared to a motor vessel of the same similar size. Um, but because there's such a strong social, social economic impact, that also means it's not just economically more efficient to operate uh, with us, um, but there's there's strong social impact, which makes it politically very, very interesting. No yeah. one's going to say no to a program that employs veterans and you know and, and gets youth out of unemployment and supports the maritime sector because you're actually training young people for uh, for their industry. So it totally changes the narrative on ocean protection. We all agree that the ocean has to be protected. The question is who's going to pay for it? Where's yeah. the money going to come from? How are you going to operationally scale up some kind of solution that can then actively manage and re- regenerate these ocean areas? So um, yeah, so that's what we started three years ago. And it's just, um, yeah, it's really developed quickly. Yeah, and look, looking at the ship's aspect of it too, I mean, how did you get the funding for and you can get the expertise on board to build these ships in the first place? Yeah, um, I would say that's still one of the main challenges. Shipbuilding finance is really a very specific niche. Um, so initially we started simply with a charter vessel and it was very unique that we, that we found a vessel that uh, was able to be certified um, and was steel hold and we were able to yeah, do certain types of work with it. It wasn't ideal, but it was like definitely a start. Yeah. Um, and yeah, now, now we currently have like an, an, a ship on the construction um, and it looks like it's actually one of the banks in Europe that you know, will end up financing the, uh, the finalizing of this vessel and then we're already planning to have the, second, the next vessel built. You know, and really once you have shown and proven that that can be done a number of times, then you know, then you're off. But uh, yeah. it's, just a, it's just a beginning. And as you rightly put, um, I think except from starting an airline, or going into space, uh, <laughs> building ships and operating at sea as a sort of offshore services company, it's the most capital intensive thing you can do. Uh, it's really, the bar is high. Um, but, you know, at the same time, these issues around ocean management and, you know, these are, these are growing issues globally. So governments are also very keen to find a smart and an effective solution to, to tackle it. Yeah, and with that too, with the governments involved, obviously they want to solve this problem. It's in their best interest. But how have you gone about then approaching different governments and getting the word out to essentially get the help to you know, support these programs? It's fascinating. So 
typically, uh, let's say you are a government and we're going to talk ocean protection, then what ends up is we would talk to an environment minister, maybe a fisheries minister. Um, but the moment you are actually proposing what is essentially economic regeneration of, of, of some of these coastal regions, um, where you bring shipbuilding jobs, where you, where you train young people, where you also, due to the fact that we we operate these sailing vessels that are cheaper to operate, you're lowering the barrier to entry. So we can set up seaweed farms offshore. Uh, we can, so you, you're sort of stimulating different types of economic activity around these coastal regions. So suddenly you're not at the table with an environment minister. You're at the table with the economic affairs minister or with the, uh, with the Department for Work and Pensions. or um, And then it becomes a very different narrative. It's a very different conversation. And I would even go as far as to say that in our experience over the last few years, it's actually more on the conservative side of politics where the notion of uh, having these veterans, training these unemployed youth, giving them some structure and discipline, the fact that you propose, hey, you approach government with a with a with a proposal that's more, you know, it's a really a business solution that fits a narrative that that I think the traditional conservation messaging of like, hey, we have to protect the ocean, you know, care for nature. Right. Unfortunately, it just it just doesn't cut it. Yeah. And with that too, thinking about this whole program, obviously you can't do it alone. Clearly, yeah. how have you approached like growing your team and selling the message of your vision of what you want, and then hiring people and getting people on board to help you with this as yeah. well? Yeah. Uh, initially, initially, it was uh, it was a, a long shot because you're like, <laughs> hey, we're going to set up the world's first sea ranger service and right. this idea of ships, and you know, and I would I would say that in the beginning sort of my you know i'm 36 now but i'd like to think i look you know i still look like a young you look very young uh, to be clear <laughs> <laughs> so that that sort of the ambition of the program and my youthful enthusiasm uh, just the way i am and talk and would be perceived as naivety and so you go into the maritime sector and you know with all due respect it's a bunch of white middle class you know or yeah. it's a bunch of yeah white dudes who uh, sorry i mean white middle-aged dudes who who really call the shots so it'd be this thing of like, yeah, you know, sure you are, sure, sure, that's what you're gonna do. And um, but then there were, yeah, just individual conversations with some partners, and you're talking to companies that in that are involved in maritime training, or you're talking to naval architects, or you're talking to an accountant firm, or uh, graphic designers. And and what essentially, I think it's also the sort of vision or the ambition of 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 running this. And and everyone sort of a lot of people would say. Like, doesn't that already exist? Like, that seems to make sense, Sea Rangers. I mean, if we have the protected areas at sea, that makes sense. And yeah, I mean, great to have these these veterans involved. Like yeah. That. So quite quickly, it was a case more of um, sort of triggering the intrinsic motivation of people and companies. And so for one company, it would be, uh, for the naval architects, it's just a really cool way for this person to be involved in designing sort of this new workshop of the future. Um, for the local councils, they have unemployed youth that they're paying benefits to. So actually, they're very keen to, uh, for maritime sectors, crying out for young talent. Um, so it was, and we now have 40 partner companies involved. And wow. I think all of them have find sort of a hook that specifically works for them. And I would even go as far as to say is that if you look at the overall picture, for me, the inspiration increasingly was if you have people with lots of different um, interests or stakes to rally and get behind a single mission, in their entire diversity. I think if yeah. anything gives hope for the future, it's that, eh? that you can get uh, people not behind a single message, but actually behind a more holistic approach that everyone finds their thing in. Yeah, and with that message too, I mean, over the last three years you've been doing this, have you you tweaked that, honed it in, and do you sell it to different people? Because it is something where you need to have that message really hit and resonate to get people on board. Yeah. How has that gone with the message yeah. itself of what you're oh, doing? It's also fascinating because 
if you are a 18 year old kid yeah growing up near the port of rotterdam and some of you know some of these areas there's a very different messaging that's going to work for you compared to you know a government minister or some <laughs> investor different for so sure. that's been that's been a challenge you know in the beginning people and people would think oh that's you know sympathetic it's young people with a boat protecting nature so they think like it's an ngo it's a charity sure. it's a non-profit and and it's like um, actually it's not uh, uh you know actually these vessels can be used for all types of commercial offshore work and, right you know that's so that's um yeah i would yeah that's been a challenge but at the same time the moment we had these young sea rangers trained up and they were out at sea and and people could see the sense of identity and pride that some of these young people take from becoming a sea ranger and we have a, we have a kid that never finished high school yeah. these are his first diplomas he gets and he, you know he's Mr. Sea Ranger like when he stands there just the just the way he carries himself it's so incredibly powerful and i would also say maybe my generation uh, maybe i'm old enough to still remember that you know if, it's, if we're talking about sustainability or climate change we used to have used to be debates there used to be you know but whereas now there's such a i think common understanding that these are issues the world has to deal with right um, which also means that these sea rangers if you're talking about protecting the ocean or using the ocean sustainably uh they're just like you know duh, duh, they, they, we, we don't have to campaign <laughs> right. or convince people about it. so there right. is a, there's a matter of factness yeah about the way that sea rangers carry themselves that is incredibly i would say infectious yeah and most politicians and investors and partners that meet the sea rangers they're just sold straight away yeah, and on the Sea Rangers note as well, with that training, I mean, what is that training protocol? How long is that process? Just wondering, because obviously as you as you would ramp up to get more people on board, you have the training that they'd have to go through. Like, what is that training kind of consist of? Yeah, so the, it's initially it's a five-week boot camp training. Uh, and even to get into the five-week boot camp, you have to come like uh, a sort of afternoon and do a lot of physical training. And these yeah. veterans really push you and to see oh, if, you, you know, if, you, if you can sort of cut it. Um, and during the five weeks, there are about 10 different trainings. So you learn to go diving, sailing, um, sea survival. You get m- medical first aid, uh, all these different uh, trainings. And it's not about who is the sort of fastest, smartest, strongest. It's actually the young people we see that go through the most personal development in those five weeks. Those are the ones we select. And the group is mixed. So we have young people that have literally not finished school or um, you know, have, have had to deal with, let's say, drug issues or have been unemployed. But there's also people who just finished university or college. Um, so that mix of the group is that's, that's its strength. Yeah. Um, and then after the five weeks, if we select you, you come into permanent uh, full-time paid uh, employment. Um, and then uh, we train you for another sort of five months, but that's then on the ships and you, you essentially already start work. And yeah. after one year, you've built up enough sort of sea time. So you, you've, built, you've been at sea long enough to um, obtain a, uh, what's known as a commercial sailing endorsement, which means you then can work on other ships with other companies and we introduce you to other employees. So essentially every year there, uh, there is another boot camp um, and, and we run a cohort of, of sea rangers through this uh, through this training process. Yeah, and how many people do you actually need on the boats themselves? And what is that mix between these like new sea rangers or people more experienced? Like, how does that work with that? Too? Yeah, um, it, it's a captain and a first mate. They're fully qualified, very yeah. experienced kind of people. Um, uh, and then they have uh, five sea rangers in one of those crews. So you have a crew of seven. But every two weeks, the, there's a shift change. Uh, so um, the idea is that either you rest for two weeks while the other group of sea rangers are at sea and then um, it means also every two weeks all of us come together as as a team and we talk through the the developments of the company um, and it's a great way to you know to also have a strong sort of company culture in which we you know are fairly transparent and open with all of all of our our team uh, even the young sea rangers about where we stand how things are doing and growing yeah 
And one thing too, think about this idea in my head, I'm like, okay, you know, there's this problem. You see this in the beginning and you have the solution in your mind of what the kind of the end goal would be. And you're three years in now, how did you map it out from day one? What did you have a plan of like, okay, six months, 12 months. Was it like, if we can hit these things, like, I'm just curious at what it looks like. Obviously it's not going to be a clear thing, but yeah. how did that go mapping this out a little bit? <laughs> Well, I would say that, uh, I mean, we definitely, of course, we, we mapped it out and we've, I think we've been quite, um, uh, how to say, we've been very much on the case with, I mean, this is this has grown very, very rapidly. Yeah. Um, in fact, when the f- after the first conversation with government, literally within 12 months, we had four Dutch government ministers all signed together a, a deal to, uh, to get the sea range service up and running. And, yeah. and they, they essentially contract us for the work we do at sea. Wow. Um, so... Um, uh, however, <laughs> I thought I thought we, I thought we build a ship, then we train the sea rangers, and then we go out to sea. But it didn't work like that. Yeah, of course. So not. you train the sea rangers, then you go out to sea on a chartered vessel, and you prove your case, and then you get the financing release to uh, to build a new ship, and um, and that's um, yeah, you know. But I, I always say the sea ranger service. It's been about a hundred different brains that have developed and and you know and shaped and, and learned the lessons to come to what it is today. Um, and I think we have a very resilient model um, that we're now replicating in other countries. And yeah, it's you know we we are a learning kind of company, and we and we we listen. Uh, so there's a lot of expert, there's a lot of expertise that people are willing to give, um, and we have to be open-minded about yeah about receiving that feedback and and reworking our plans if necessary. Absolutely. Yeah, and for you with this company starting three years ago as well. I mean, how has your role evolved till today? Because clearly in the beginning a lot less people involved. Uh, as you've gone now, you have a much bigger team in place mm-hmm. and more things are happening. How has your role kind of shifted and what does it look like today for you? Yeah, in the beginning, it was, uh, you know, I'm just sort of instigating a lot, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, having all the meetings. <laughs> and, yeah. And we have, I mean, the, the team is now ever with, with, what is it, nearly 30 people and yeah. there's, um, yeah, we have an operational manager. Uh, this, this woman who actually, if you look at the maritime agency, the government agency in the Netherlands, she was one of the first female captains back in the, I think it was the late 80s, early 90s. Um, we have an amazing general manager. Uh, and interestingly, almost all the people, except for the Sea Rangers, almost all the people that joined us all uh, quit really well, sort of fairly well-paying jobs in order yeah. to work with us. And people were really, you know, either saw me speaking at the event or saw something online and were like, actually, I, yeah. That looks cool. I want, <laughs> I, I want in, yeah, I want in. And, I would, um, and there's um, also one guy, he, um, this man who, you know, he's in his sort of early 60s. He, for many years, was the main maritime industry lobbyist in the country. Oh, wow. Um, have a lot of experience, essentially, um, yeah, lobbying for additional investment into ports and infrastructure for different maritime sort of um, industry. So he went into early retirement. And then I think um, it, was over, it was about a month later that he started to work with us. <laughs> yeah. And that just helps. It really helps to yeah. get a foothold in, in yeah, and, and get going. Yeah, and with uh, everyone offering input, though, I mean, how do you take that in and know the vision that you want versus maybe some people directing you in different directions that you don't want to go? How does that go for you? Yeah, you have to really, so we o- you always listen, you really take it in and you see what, what can we take from it. And people have come up with amazing suggestions and ideas that we, you know, we, we've implemented very rapidly. But then there's also things you should just, yeah, like we don't campaign. We're not, we're not activists. We're not a campaigning group. In yeah. fact, we're not an NGO. We're, we're not a non-profit. We're, yeah. we're we're a company, and yeah. even though we're involved in conservation, uh, we did we did a crowdfunding campaign early on, and it just didn't work. Yeah, people would be like, uh, we'd got emails, people saying, I, I, I can invest, and then I get sort of a return on the investment. Like I don't I don't trust this. 
because it's something to do with ocean conservation. So we got tons of emails saying, can I instead donate? Can I donate <laughs> money? And it's like, no, no, no. Hold it's on. a this social is, enterprise. No, yeah, no, no. no. <laughs> but also there are no, if you're talking about the offshore services industry, yeah. there are no social enterprises thus far in that type of sector. Like yeah. that's just, it, it. let alone, I mean, there's hardly any startups in there. It's, yeah. just, it, it's dominated by a few main players. And, and it's only that we have the sort of social impact angle um, uh, that now also not just government but also uh, maritime uh, sort of companies are yeah we're finding a way in and, and they're sort of looking at us and, and they're waiting for us to work and I would I mean a lot of the tendering uh, sort of processes so some of the larger offshore contracted work or you essentially are tendering so it's an open process and yeah. companies try to get these contracts you would never get in there as a smaller company it would just you would be outbidded by you you know, the big to, players yeah however we uh, deliver on social impact and increasingly uh, once a contract is is offered by government there are various conditions in there yeah. which talk about social return which talk about you know a variety of things that we can now deliver on simply right. by them hiring us to do let's say the environmental survey work at sea or, or other types of work um, so i think that's also um yeah it's really for the maritime sector something really new yeah and with it too i mean thinking about what you already accomplished in the three years and with obviously a big vision too i mean what other opportunities do you see w within this I and mean, if anyone else is listening and interested in getting involved either directly with your company or even starting their own company if they even got funding and went that route i mean what opportunities do you just see in this kind of space yeah um i would say two things about that the first is that we uh, um, have developed a franchise model which yep. we're rolling out some um, sort of later next year um, in which other entrepreneurs, if they want to start a sea range service in their country, yeah. they can get in touch. Uh, and there's a sort of a process uh, which involves um, a variety of interviews. We're asking people to do sort of a feasibility study for right. us to get a feel like, well, how, how do you think this would work in, in your own country? The U.S. is definitely a focus for us. We're very keen to hear from U.S. entrepreneurs that you know, might be keen to uh, to help get that up and running in the in the U.S. Yeah. Um, on the other hand the new training standard for sea rangers as well as the new shipbuilding standard for these sailing vessels uh, as commercial workships yeah those are two standards that we're introducing uh, with the hope that actually the market adopts those um, so we're going to be fairly open about um, training and, and, and guiding other people to use the similar types of technologies and sure. training methods hopefully for you know and it wouldn't be called sea rangers it would be something else but to really ensure that there is um, a more sort of systematic change in how the offshore uh, yeah, market uh, yeah. carries out its work. And to be clear, uh, depending on when this is released, it'll be 2020, correct? That you're looking correct. at? Okay, yeah, just yeah, to make yeah, sure. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> if it goes out yeah. in January, then like next year, like 2021? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Uh, just, just clarifying on that side as well. Um, and with that too, so that's obviously the goal for coming up in a matter of whether it be months uh, or within the next year here. What else is kind of your next steps, you know, short term for this company? And then uh, I'll, I'll ask the next question actually after. What are the next steps in the kind of the short term for this? Um, so we're preparing for an equity round, our first equity round actually. Um, so the company has grown initially through sort of some startup grants and, yeah. and we moved away from that pretty quickly. Um, really, um, we're very keen to get a number of investors on board also because we have to build up a track record. We have to prove, yeah. uh, especially because ocean conservation in people's minds, it's not really something they sort of link with commercial offshore work. Right. Um, that means it's for us really important to prove that, 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 that I mean, we have validated the business. Yeah. It's running, we're generating revenues, that's happening. Uh, but uh, we're really the first ones to do this. And yeah. so that's, uh, and also I would say if you're talking to, I mean, we're here at Summit. Yeah. I think we were just joking about uh, there's some kind of tech meetup or something. Yeah. Or, uh, 
there's no way that we're going to have a maritime industry meetup today. Like this is not, right. you know, in this startup kind of scene. That's not, not this not, year. Not this year. So yeah. Maybe, maybe future. Well, yeah, you know, we could have an oceans field maybe next year or something. That that's interesting. Be, yeah. Something to suggest yeah. actually to yeah. people, or even a conference yourself. Yeah. You could start somewhere. Yeah. 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 So actually, one element of working with these sailing ships is that simply the lower cost is lowering the barrier to entry into that domain. Yeah. So there's um, increasing um, a number of startups um, and also universities contacting us and saying, hey, we have developed this type of technology or we have uh, this new type of research we're doing uh, and we're offering such a cost-effective option for them to test that at sea or yeah. for that research to be carried out at sea um, that, yeah, we also see that it's just really opening up a ton of opportunities to really start... Um, yeah, benefiting from what the ocean can offer in terms of innovation and opportunities. Yeah, and then looking kind of the, to the future a bit more, what is kind of the grand vision for this and what do you see this being? You know, you don't have to have a timeline, but whether it be 10, 15, 20 years, like what do you see this being? What do you want this to be? Yeah. So we essentially looked at the overall ocean space and identified sort of 12 areas in the ocean, which are areas of sort of high biodiversity, which, you know, if any, if any other areas in the world are protected, in yeah. terms of ocean protection, these right. are really the ones to focus on. So this is where our capacity, our ships and people will count most. Yeah. The vision is that over the next 12 to 15 years, we scale to 12 franchises globally, and each of those franchises to have around five ships to operate. Okay. Uh, so we feel if we have about 60 of our ships operating globally, that we really can, can cover a lot of the ocean. In fact, currently, if we look at the highly protected reserves, as they're known, the the rate of protection is around nine percent of those are, are properly managed yeah and we want to bring that uh, within 15 years to 35 percent okay and that's just our company so yeah again as i mentioned the hope that others might use this technology right. other companies are starting up then you know that percentage would would hopefully be even higher yeah and one thing we didn't really talk about too much yet looking at like the revenue model because this is a social enterprise it's not like a non-profit necessarily like, correct what is that who pay i mean can you talk about that a little bit more? Yeah. Like, yeah what's that look like? Yeah. So it's sort of two, it's two things. One is that um, the local councils pay because we're getting young people out of unemployment yeah. and into employment. And ultimately, we're recruiting and training people for the sector. So the maritime sector also sure. contributes to that. Um, it's even more powerful because you, as a company, you're able to follow the personal development of someone uh, throughout a year, year and a half there with us. Yeah. Um, and you can even uh, bring in specific type of training modules or, or you can you can bring things in the curriculum that we uh, train people for. So by the time you get a trained sea ranger uh, for your company, you know that, that you can rely on a number of skill sets or, or qualifications to uh, to be there. Right. Um, and the other thing is that it's really 40% um, of the year for a ship, a sea ranger ship, is commercial work and 60% is the conservation work for which we then don't ha need any additional funding or yeah. government subsidies. And that 40% commercial work, that is anything from um, doing underwater surveys with right. underwater cameras, ROVs, um, our sea rangers increasingly are trained as drone pilots, so we do visual inspection work in the wind farms. Uh, we can also measure with drones emissions of, of, of ships. Yeah. Um, we're, next month we start with the program where we do maintenance on an offshore seaweed farm. Every two weeks the seaweed has to be checked. Sure. That's a high cost for the seaweed farm operators. We right. lower that cost. That makes it makes yeah, makes even that business case then uh, more, more tangible. Um, and then there's a lot of different types of monitoring. Uh, having sort of ears and eyes at sea and supporting the government agencies and, and the government enforcing agencies yeah. uh, simply to give them a better understanding of the maritime domain. Um, so it's a variety of things, but even our work with government, they're not, it's not subsidies, it's contracted. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah which is important. For you then, like now, I know we talked about this a little bit, but like literally going through like your day-to-day, -day, 
how does that look for you right now? You mentioned before on this, we we're traveling a lot. Like, what does that look like for you? Yeah, it's, it's nonstop. I mean, yeah. This is so diverse. It's also what I love about it. Yeah. Uh, one moment I'm talking about technology. The next, you're 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 in a room with people from the military talking about how to support the veterans, or sure. you're you're devising part of the training program, or um, uh, yeah, at some point I'll be inside ports, or, or I'm actually at sea, or uh, we're designing Sea Ranger <laughs> uniform, or I mean, you name it. It's it's uh, so so it's a combination of it's 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 technical, it's engineering, but it's also very creative. It's working with people. Eh? Yeah. At the end of the day, it's also about I care for the environment. I want the ocean to be properly protected. Sure. Traditionally, I feel that's been very much focused on facts and figures and, and policy and right. bringing a human face to that. And so I think that is something um, that at least. Yeah, motivates me, and that also means we take a lot of time in our relationship building with people. A- at the end of the day, it's all about people, whether they're partners or sea rangers or investors. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I would even say, even the people that have provided loans, uh, some social impact investors in, in early stage provided loans, I would say we treat them as though they're almost, you know, in with equity. Like, yeah. we, you know, they are. They they feel that ownership, and they're part of this this journey in, in developing this. Um, and you know we launched a, a new ship recently where we have you know close to 200 representatives from from government and, and business right. and, and industry and, and finance there um, and it's just amazing to you know so to get people out it's something very tangible the moment you see those sea rangers on that ship you know yeah sailing off into the ocean you're like this is yeah, <laughs> we know what, why we do this yeah, yeah and you, you mentioned the, the equity part and taking equity partners i mean what are you looking for from those equity partners um and yeah, I mean, do you have a number of you're looking for in terms of raising? Because obviously, some people might be VCs listening to this. But I'm curious as to what you're kind of looking for. Yeah, um, we're looking to raise two million euros. Okay, um, that's really to finance the next stage of of expansion. Yeah, uh, going international uh, with our work. Um, and I mean, what we're really looking for is we're looking for someone who is who I would say who shares that passion, who understands what the ocean space looks like. You yeah, know, and and and. and uh, yeah, th- we're a bit of an odd, an odd ball in terms of, the, yeah, <laughs> but but this isn't, you know, this this ocean, especially this offshore services space, right? That that's something a little rare, you know. Th- th- there's not not many startups that work in this, and right. Uh, so so I think it, it will be helpful for someone, and also someone to have a, uh, if someone has a passion for sailing or is a diver, yeah, who might have experienced that ocean, uh, and and the right. sort of majestic healing powers I would say <laughs> of that ocean, yeah, um, yeah, um, and then it's really having a conversation. I mean. Yeah, how, how does this work? You know, and also in future, do people want to? If we're talking about the shipbuilding, for example, that's right. a very specific type of financing. Sure. That's often you know, and then different people. And that's also something I've learned. People perceive the the risks and the opportunities often very differently. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, um, it's really one or two people that could really make the difference to us at this stage. And I think it's about making that connection and to start the conversation and yeah, and seeing what's important to them. And yeah, you know, then we'll find we'll find a way. Yeah. Yeah, and hopefully it works out. I think I think it's. It's such an interesting idea and like what you're doing with everything. It seems like you'll be able to find that somewhere. Uh, yeah. Someone, someone will pull the trigger. Yeah. Even 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 Southern California. I mean, we have the beaches and the oceans. People are intrigued yeah. and love that. They understand that. Like, oh yeah. wait, what if this is not? Well, and actually, if we're talking about California, um, there is a growing amount of seaweed farming happening offshore. Oh really? Where actually, I'm aware that the training capacity to train people to maintain those seaweed farms. Yeah. That's actually there's a growing need for that in the future. Oh wow. And there's a lot of marine protected areas along this coast. Yeah. So there's actually uh, there's there's a growing demand and even in this region. Sure. Uh, to have that capacity at sea, and uh, as we're very keen to scale uh, to scale here at some point, for sure. Yeah, and one of the last questions I just want to ask is, if anyone's trying to you know make a difference, see a problem, they want to solve it. I mean, what is maybe one or two things you would tell them before we're getting started? Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> you just gotta have the grit. You just gotta keep going. Don't listen to everybody. Yeah. You know, intensely, and then you know, 
forget <laughs> forget what doesn't work for you equally. <laughs> so be super open-minded and, and talk to everybody, yeah. but also set your course, uh, you know, and, and, and be dead on course. Right. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, I think going into any on these any of these endeavors, it's like you're a ship at sea, yeah. and you know, and what's inevitable is that there's going to be bad weather, and you just have to weather the storm, and you just have to go through. And as long as, you know, with all the support w- from colleagues or or board members you get on board, or or advisors, or right. that just makes your ship stronger, and just means you can keep going. But you know, um, yeah, build a strong foundation, and and just you know, make sure the the ship keeps chugging along. Yeah, and where can people go to learn more about this and connect with you? Sure. Uh, the website searangers.org. Okay. Um, even on the team page, there's a link. You can send me an email. Um, awesome. You know, and uh, yeah, I look forward to hearing from people. Yeah, I'll make sure I link everything up as well. Just go grind.com slash podcast. So we have uh, links to everything mentioned in the show as well. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. The Weekly Grind, which is my weekly newsletter, comes out every single Friday. You can find it at justgogrind.com slash newsletter. This is filled with tips, tools, and strategies for growing your business. If you want to know how to launch a business, how to grow it, how to get it off the ground, find employees, all these different things. There's a few tips, tools, and strategies every single week I deliver right to you. Justgogrind.com slash newsletter. Check it out. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you in the next episode.